trust the process. Siobhan Ellsbury, he sells, she sells. Yeah. Siobhan Ellsbury, he sells. Wow, it's the first time I've actually been caught up on he sells, he sells seashells. <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the CP3 failing to Patrick Beverly, completely devoting his entire day towards attempting to ether Chris Paul into existence. It's Adam Amawala. Adam, how's it going? I thought you were going to say the Luca a ho to Luca not being a ho. That is good. It is truly disappointing how likable Luka Doncic has become in the span of two games Mm -hmm. because previously I really didn't like him. I didn't like that he would complain to the refs a lot and foul bait and all that kind of stuff. I inherently hated the Dallas Mavericks because Chris Stapps Porzingis was traded there and it was a big rivalry kind of deal. But with KP gone, my hatred for the Dallas Mavericks is a little less. Now Luka just completely torching the Suns and laughing the entire time while he did it in game seven and during the postgame press conference when the Mavs were up 57 to 27 and Luka had 27 points and the Suns had 27 points and a reporter asked him, did you know you had the same amount of points? And he said, yes, of course. It's it's as as a previous Luca hater, it's been a challenging few days. Man, I, we, we I don't even want to get into it because there's so much I want to say about that game, but uh, we'll we'll save that for full court press. Yes. So in order to prepare for full court press, we got to go to the Teal Memorial locker room. Teal's doing great. Teal's doing fine. Loving the playoffs. Glad to hear it. You know who else is loving life right now? I would say our patrons and probably our newest patrons. Yes, all of our patrons, loving life, living the dream, but especially our newest patrons, Thomas Brady, who wants to be known as Jimmy Butthole, which Mm -hmm. sure, but I'm also glad because I wouldn't want to have to say Tom Miss Brady every episode. So (laughs) that's pretty good. And Hallie Brooks, shout out to the two of you. Also, of course, want to thank our existing producer level patrons, Polly Burridge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury. He sells seashells. Don't go chasing Taco Falls. Bang, bang. Long-suffering Timberwolves fan who is back to suffering. Roast Beef Debris, Kate the Conqueror, Basketball is Life 2. Michaela loves Allison. Shout out to Michaela who loves Allison and Allison who loves Michaela because they're getting married soon. By the time you hear this, the marriage will have taken place. We were invited to the wedding, which was an incredibly kind gesture, but we are unable to attend. But Michaela and Allison, congratulations. Also, thanks to Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Borgeli, Weird Questions, Chris Rossi, Mitch Chrysler, Stove Curry for three, bang! and Mono Ginobili. <laughs> you didn't even give me time for the bang. You know, we, I got to get back into the process of it. I need to trust the process, which is giving the pause for it. It's just been so long. But yes, shout out to Stove Curry. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to change it every single time at the request of Eileen Gazesh. And also, huge shout out to our producer level patrons, Lisa, a.k.a. Denver Steam Nuggets, and Sarah, a.k.a. Roast Beef Debris, who came to see me in Denver on Friday. So And cool. didn't know they were both going to be there, got to meet each other, and all three of us got to meet in person for the first time. And it was awesome. What a fun, wonderful time. That is fantastic. So thank you all so much for your support. We really do appreciate it. Adam and I have made a pledge to start putting up more stuff on the Patreon for the playoffs. I did a whole thing where I talked about the Chris Paul family getting pushed in the crowd situation. So anything that we feel like during the two week gap we might not get to cover, we're going to throw up on the Patreon and maybe we'll do a thing like we did for the finals as well, where we do video recaps of the games. All that stuff lives at patreon.com slash horse hoops. But speaking of that support, you know who else is supporting us? Adam? Our sponsor. It is our sponsor. And this sponsor also does things in terms of support because our sponsor is Tab for a Cause. So look, the world is a very interesting place right now. And by interesting, I mean horrible. And if you want to make the world a little less horrible, you can do it in the easiest possible way with Tab for a Cause. All you got to do is go to tabforacause.org. That's T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E.org slash horse. And then you can install it into your browser. And every time you open a tab, you get this nice, beautifully photographed nature background. You'll see some small ads in the bottom corner, but those ads raise money for charity. And you can choose what charity that that money goes towards. So you just go to tabforacause.org slash horse. You install it in a couple of clicks. It's very easy. And then if you're a garbage person like me and 
you open a million tabs a day, guess what? You're going to be able to raise a bunch of money for charity. So check out Tab for a Cause today. Also, we'd like to thank Multitude for having Horse as a part of the collective. Maybe you're all caught up on Horse and the two-week wait in between episodes is just excruciating. If you're looking for podcasts to listen to in between episodes, you should check out some of the other shows that are part of the Multitude Collective. There's a new podcast that just launched this past Friday that I think you would like, and it's called Games and Feelings. Games and Feelings is an advice podcast about games. You can join Eric Silver and a revolving cast of guests as they answer your questions at the intersection of fun and humanity since you have to play games with other people. Maybe you're looking for a recommendation for a nice, cozy video game, or maybe you're trying to convince someone who's only ever played old, boring, stuffy board games like Monopoly to play that cool new game that you picked up at the store around the corner. Any question will be answered as long as it is games-related, and question askers get a fun little advice nickname when you submit a question. So if you like what you hear and you want to level up your emotional intelligence stat, you can subscribe to Games and Feelings Now wherever you get your podcasts and new episodes release every other Friday. Nice. And with that complete, we can get into full court press. Get it like the news. I do. Adam, the playoffs. They're spicy, aren't they? Oh, so much spice. And I think, honestly, we have an apology to make to Mavs fans because I seem to recall you and I recording this last episode when the Suns were up 2-0 saying, eh, that's probably going to be a a breeze into the Western Conference Finals for the Suns. And we were wrong. And I honestly, I'm okay with it. I am sad because... Of all the teams that were left, the Suns had gone the longest without winning an NBA championship. I don't know if the Suns have ever won an NBA championship, so I thought it'd be very nice for the Suns to win. I would have loved if Chris Paul would have won a ring so that we could squash all of this is Chris Paul good debate. However, the Suns did an interesting thing where they played like butt for the remaining games in the series after playing not like butt for the first two. And I feel like if you want to win, you should not play like butt. That is usually a good course of action. Um, What was interesting about how it all turned out is that the home team had won every game throughout the first six games. And that's not altogether uncommon. That happens pretty often, especially in the playoffs with fans where they are very boisterous uh, and give the team a lot of energy. I don't know what you thought was going to happen in game seven. I was hoping it would be a competitive game, but I mean that in the other direction. Like I was hoping that the Mavs wouldn't get blown out. So to see them come out and absolutely demolish the Suns, I mean, that's as embarrassing a game seven loss as I can remember. I I can't think of something worse than that. It was sad because this past Sunday, we're recording this on Tuesday, May 17th. This past Sunday was this amazing slot of games. It's what you want in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You want every series to go to seven because then you get the most basketball. And it was going to be a very exciting Sunday. Game seven with the Celtics and the Bucks, and then game seven with the Suns and the Mavs. And both games were really boring blowouts. Yeah. And you got to give credit to the Celtics who got incredible performance performances out of their role players like Grant Williams and the Mavs. It was just Luka dominating. There's been rumblings of, oh, Chris Paul was injured, but trying to play through an injury. And then DeAndre Ayton didn't want to go back into the game after they were losing by a lot. So Monty Williams said, "Okay, you're not going to play the rest of the game. And that was a grumpy boy situation. I don't understand how you don't want to go back in. It's game seven in the playoffs. What are you doing? Get back in there. Yeah, it, it was it was disappointing. I was very excited to watch both of those games and I ended up watching the first half of both and then just monitoring the score on the side to see if it right. ended up getting closer. Well, you know, Marcus Smart's hair. I call it. What can you say? <laughs> I called it. He dyed his hair green. You can't lose. It's just impossible. Yeah. What's the thing from Friday Night Lights? Clear eyes, full hearts, green hair, can't lose. Exactly. I, think that's what I believe that's exactly what it is. I mean, <laughs> thank goodness, though, because imagine losing with green hair. Like, imagine if Devin Booker mm-hmm, dyed his mm-hmm. hair orange and then lost by 40 points. Yeah, that would have been pretty rough. And you got to give a shout out to Luka Doncic, as we mentioned earlier absolutely torched them from a basketball perspective, but also from an outside of basketball perspective. When the Suns were up three games to two, there was lots of talk as if they were for sure going to win the series. Not necessarily people saying this is in the bag, but speaking about the future, Mm -hmm. kind of talking about going back to the finals and all this kind of stuff. And Luca was quoted as saying, everybody acts tough when they up. And then the Mavs ended up winning two games back to back to upset the Suns and move on. And it, the the Luca redemption arc for me personally as a fan, it's it's alarmingly mm-hmm. growing. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, uh, the series was not in the bag, but you know who was in his bag? Luka Doncic. I yes. mean, yeah, my goodness. And as a basketball fan, so 
what we have right now, for anyone who hasn't been following, we're down to four teams. In the Western Conference, it is the Dallas Mavericks versus the Golden State Warriors, who dispatched the John Morantless uh, Memphis Grizzlies in six games. So you've got Steph against Luka. Just from a shooting standpoint, how fun is that going to be to watch mm-hmm. Steph and Luka go at it? Um, I would presume that the Warriors are favored by a little bit. I, I haven't checked, but that would be my guess. Uh, they will have home court advantage. And then in the East, we have the aforementioned Boston Celtics, who will be on the road facing the Miami Heat. So ultimately in the East, we have the number one and two seeded teams. But in the West, we do not have either of the, the first two seeded teams. So kind of an interesting uh, mix up there. Right. And what's very funny is these two particular series, depending on what kind of basketball games you want to watch, you've got your options. If you like three pointers and amazing offense and people moving around and stuff, the Mavs versus the Warriors is the series for you. If you like people just punching themselves back and forth a million times on defense, you're going to want to watch Heat and Celtics. You've got basically two of the most firepower heavy offenses facing against each other and two of the most staunch, intense defenses facing each other. The games are going to be completely different. Like every Mavs Warriors game is going to be 150 to 148 and every (laughs) Celtics Heat game is going to be like 12 to 13. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely going to be some, you know, early 2000s Spurs Lakers 73 to 72 final score sort of things. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. The two series are very different. I'm very excited to see if the Heat can win because I feel like the Celtics are favored to win this series just because Jason Tatum has become basketball Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. recently where he just shoots contested three-point jumpers and doesn't care. Like people are fully in the air trying to block a shot and he goes, I just could not care less Mm -hmm. right now and just swishes it in their face. But if Jimmy Butler is able to champion the Heat past. And at this point, I'm rooting for the Heat to win the finals because I think NBA champion Jimmy Butler would just be a gift to the world. It would be great, especially because after the Heat torched the 76ers, Jimmy Butler decided, what if I murdered the process and just twisted the knife deep into the Sixers? Because for anyone unaware, Jimmy Butler used to be on the 76ers. The 76ers could have kept Jimmy Butler, but for various reasons that I may get into the next time I do that actually happened, Jimmy Butler is no longer on the 76ers. Jimmy Butler is upset that they did this to him. So after the heat defeated the 76ers, Jimmy Butler just really made it worse for Sixers fans by immediately in the post-game interview saying that he wished he was still on the same team as Joel Embiid and that he loves Joel Embiid. And then when he was going back to the locker room in full view of cameras, knowing that people were recording this, screamed, Tobias Harris over me? Lots of expletives over me? So he just really stomped on the defeated process on their way out and their way in to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, uh, since we've been wrong on this show before, Mm -hmm. what are your predictions for both series? I think they're all going to be really good and very close. My prediction would be that the Warriors will beat the Mavs in seven games. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's going to be a really, really close one. And just because I want this to be the answer, I will say the Heat in seven games as well. But I do fear the Celtics. I also feel like for both of these series, you kind of have to watch the first game to get a sense of it because each team is playing such a different team than the team they played in the most recent round that you can have the recency bias of, oh, well, the Celtics were doing so well against the Bucs because they spaced it out and shot a bunch of three-pointers. Well, the Heat are really good at defense, so is that going to work? And you can mm-hmm. say something similar with the Mavs. Oh, they were able to isolate Luka just one-on-one, beat everyone on a defense. Well, the Warriors have Draymond Green, so could he defend Luka? So right. I feel like we're going to have to see what a couple games look like, but I just think they're going to be very close. What about you? I think I want the finals to be Warriors Heat because that would be the most fun to watch. With the Mavs, I'm kind of torn, right? There's part of me that thinks now that they defeated the Suns in the manner that they did winning four of the last five games, do they just ride that momentum all the way through the rest of the playoffs and pull off this Cinderella story, which it kind of would be. I mean, I don't think anyone gave the Mavs much of a shot in the playoffs. I think people were kind of split on whether or not the Mavs or Jazz would win. But beyond that, I don't think anyone expected much from the Mavericks. Um, In the Eastern Conference, I feel like it's kind of the same thing where I I do think that the Celtics are the hottest team, but I think that the Heat might be a better team depending on how dominant Jimmy Butler is. Either way, I think the finals are going to be super entertaining no matter who is in them. But yeah, it's very interesting how it played out. I don't think that I would have 
predicted these four teams going into the playoffs? No, I definitely would not have done so. And there's no further proof than that than all of the free bets that I placed when New York City decided to allow for sports gambling and all these places were allowing you to have Two hundred or three hundred dollars in free bets, or if you did five dollars in bets. So I put a lot of bets on the Suns win the Western Conference Finals, or the Bucks win the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm. I just bet on basically all of the top four teams to win their respective conference finals, and now I still have some chance to make a bunch of free money, but not as much free money as I had before because yeah. across every app. One of my bets was Suns to win and Bucks to win, and they have both been eliminated. (laughs) But there are some teams that I could win money if they win, and that may or may not be why I'm hoping that the Warriors in the Ah, (laughs) I see. I see. It was a biased opinion. I want them to win from my heart perspective anyway, but I also, I guess, bet with my heart, which is not what you're supposed to do, which is why I don't bet. But this was literally free money. So it's okay. So lastly, then give me your ranking of these four teams in terms of most like to see win versus least like to see win. Most like to see win Miami Heat because Jimmy Butler and him becoming an NBA champion would be great. There's also a lot of fun guys on the Heat. You've got Bam Adebayo, a really nice guy, loves his mom, loves his dog as well, has a tiny little dog named Zeus, which is very cute. Also best alternate uniforms in sports. God, yes, truly. So that would be the number one. Number two would be the Warriors, and not to sound like a bandwagoner, but I did live in Oakland during 2015, which was their first run before it was not cool to root for them, and the Knicks were tanking that year. So I went to a bunch of Warriors games and loved them. So I have a soft spot for the Warriors. So that would be number two. Number three, I would probably pick the Mavs. There's such a big gap between one and two and then two and three, four, because I really don't like the Celtics or the Mavs. I would probably pick the Mavs three really just because of what Luka Doncic has done in the past couple of days. And then Celtics, I would say number four, because I'm a New York sports boy. So all of Boston sports can go fuck themselves. So Shubes just verbally stomped on a leprechaun is what just happened. Good. I'm glad I did. Consider it stomped. But yeah, also Boston sports in general, they've had so much success that their city really doesn't need another title right now. So yeah, I tell you what, if it had been a Boston Philly Eastern Conference final, it really would have been a competition of which fans are worse people. <laughs> did you see the tweet to the horse account? I don't know if this is a tweet or something in one of the discords that I run for my other shows, but someone said, Adam said, Philly sports fans are the worst fans in Mm -hmm. sports or something. And as a Philly sports fan, I agree with him. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate the self-awareness, whoever that was. Who, what are your rankings of most want to win versus least want to win? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I sense that a lot of Bulls fans have mixed feelings about Jimmy Butler. I don't, I, I Mm. really like him a lot. I, I wish he were still on the Bulls. Um, So I would very much like to see him get a ring. Uh, especially considering how well he played in the bubble a couple years ago. There was that one finals game where he literally just willed the heat into winning that game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would say, I think I actually might rank them the same way. I All think right. I go heat warriors, maybe Celtics and Mavs. I would maybe flip those two, but yeah, I would, I think the heat are the only team that I'll be like actively happy if they win and any of the other three teams, I'll be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I feel you for sure. Well, If you hate our opinions, let us know. Love to hear your feedback. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we've completed Full Court Press. Get it like the news. So for my That Actually Happened, I would like to start with a soundbite from my beloved Chicago Bulls commentator, Stacey King. Heinrich flips it in. Butler. Thank you, Stacey. Now, let me just start by reminding anyone who missed this detail that Stacey King was that excited about a game winning shot in a preseason game that didn't <laughs> count. And I could not love that anymore as a fan. Now, this game occurred on October 16th, 2014, during Jimmy Butler's time on the Bulls. But what I really want to draw your attention to is a very specific thing that Stacey King said. And I quote, they should call him Jimmy Jordan because he looked like Michael Jordan tonight. Now, that might sound like an innocent comment to the casual observer. Oh. 
But did you know there is a longstanding internet rumor that Jimmy Butler is secretly Michael Jordan's illegitimate son? Is it possible that Stacey King was subliminally referring to a dark secret that has yet to come to light? Now, before I address this wild rumor, I want to shout out our longtime listener, Kent Locke, who hails from Dallas, Texas, loves Luka Doncic, and as we record this after Luka absolutely demolished the Phoenix Suns, is probably feeling pretty darn good right now. According to Kent, we are his favorite podcast, and he listens to us between 600 and 800 hours a year, which, if that's true, pretty incredible stuff. Seems almost impossible. There must be a lot of backlogged episodes going on. But anyway, Kent sent us an email way back in January requesting that we talk about this rumor on the podcast. And I told him we'd put it on the list. So if you've made a suggestion and I've responded that we're putting it on a list, just know that the list does exist. We do keep these things Mm -hmm. in mind, even if it takes us some time to get to them. And I figured it was a perfect time with Kent's Mavs in the Western Conference Finals and Jimmy Butler's Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now that we've got all of that out of the way, I want to preemptively reclassify this segment that actually happened as a, this absolutely did not happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to break down how this rumor got started and explain why it is for sure not true. But I want to be very clear that Jimmy Butler is not Michael Jordan's son. As silly as it sounds, we've become way too desensitized to misinformation. And in case anyone is only listening to a few minutes of this podcast, I want to be very clear that Jimmy Butler is not Michael Jordan's son. Correct. Cool. So what was the origin of this rumor? Well, it all started on February 1st, 2016, when popular blogger Therese Owens, not to be confused with Perez Hilton or Terrell Owens, (laughs) uploaded a post called Jimmy Butler, Michael Jordan's Love Child. (laughs) Classic tabloid title. Now, beneath the title is a side-by-side photo comparison of Jordan and Butler. We'll, of course, link to all of this. Uh, to ostensibly show how similar they look. And honestly, if you told me Jimmy Butler really were Michael Jordan's son, I guess I could convince myself that he bears some resemblance to him, but it's a stretch. I really don't think they look alike. I certainly have done my 2 a.m. rabbit hole deep dives on this theory before, so I'm excited to learn more about it. But yeah, I am not of the belief that they look strikingly alike. Right. Now, after this, there's a screenshot of a Facebook post, you know, Facebook, that place that notoriously (laughs) gives you the most reliable information that says Michael Jordan would not claim unwanted. Actually, it says clam, but I'm reading (laughs) clam because I know how to write. Michael Jordan would not claim unwanted child in 1988 in fear of destroying marriage. Child took on mother's name of Butler. It was reported he paid mother off so he would not tarnish his public image and legacy and role model figure. After 13 years, mother kicked child out of household because payments stopped, dot, dot, dot. And there's literally no other info. Just a shitty article title, a photo of Michael Jordan and Jimmy Butler, and this screenshot. But because the internet is the internet, people ran with this rumor. So let's unpack this claim piece by piece. Let's start with Michael Jordan would not claim unwanted child in 1988 in fear of destroying marriage. Jimmy Butler was born in 1989. Not a great start. <laughs> literally, literally the least amount of research you could do if you were starting a false rumor would be to get the birth year correct. Yeah, but I will say the NBA superstar in the late 80s having an illegitimate child and keeping it under wraps, very much true for the NBA in the late 1980s. Sure, yes. That that part just broadly is is of course plausible, right? Quote, it was reported he paid mother off so he would not tarnish his public image and legacy and role model figure. Well, sure, that seems plausible if Michael Jordan actually had a child outside of wedlock. But let's back up. Michael Jordan married his first wife, Juanita, on September 2nd, 1989 in Las Vegas. Jimmy Butler was born in Houston, Texas on September 14th, 1989, just 12 days later coincidence? Yes. Almost certainly. Yes. (laughs) Specifically, Jimmy Butler is from Tomball, Texas, which is very, very close to where my parents live and I spent 10 years of my life. So shout out to Jimmy Butler, the king of Tomball. And you were born in what year? 1992. Is Shub secretly Jimmy Butler's long lost brother? Maybe. Let's start that rumor right now. I do share a birthday with Michael Jordan, or he shares a birthday with me, let's be honest. That's true. February 17th. (laughs) (laughs) I think he got to it first, but I I get get it. All right. So all that to say, if Michael Jordan had somehow fathered Jimmy Butler, it would have occurred before he was even married. Now, to be fair, there have long been rumors about Michael Jordan's supposed infidelity, but even so, that's not a reason to give this wild claim any legitimacy whatsoever. Now, moving on to the last claim, quote, 
After 13 years, mother kicked child out of household because payments stopped. Now, this part is actually partially true in the sense that Jimmy Butler did have a very difficult upbringing that involved him being kicked out of his house at 13 years old. Butler's dad did, in fact, abandon his mother when Butler was a baby. And when he was 13 years old, his mother kicked him out of the house because, according to Butler himself, she told him, I don't like the look of you. You gotta go. I'm sure there's a lot more context that we're missing about the circumstances that led to this, but imagine being kicked out of your house at 13. Like, it's hard to really fathom how difficult that would be. Right. Jimmy Butler's definitely talked about this in the past, not necessarily in the full details, but you can't blame him because that's pretty traumatic. He has spoken about being homeless for a bit of time, which that is very mm -hmm. tough, especially if you are pursuing a professional basketball career. And honestly, the Jordan illegitimate child thing kind of makes me a little sad because he has such an interesting backstory right. for people to try to sweep it into this bogus yeah theory. we don't need to make it more interesting right what are we like this this guy already has a very tragic and interesting backstory why are we throwing some bs bogus theory into the mix right so with that in mind let's circle back to the original rumor right now, if Michael Jordan had somehow fathered Jimmy Butler, and in this scenario, we are suspending our disbelief that Jordan would have had any reason to randomly encounter Jimmy Butler's mom, he would have been conceived in approximately mid-December of 1988. Now, one of the other big components of this rumor was literally just that Michael Jordan and the Bulls played in Houston in February of 1989, which is not that shocking because they play in Houston every year. Right. And while it is true that the Bulls did in fact play the Houston Rockets on February 3rd, 1989, it makes absolutely no sense that Jordan could could have been Jimmy Butler's father, given that Butler was born seven months after that date. And nowhere in Butler's incredible life story is there any mention of him being born two months prematurely, which would definitely come up if that had been the case. Now, even more importantly, according to Butler, he is on good terms with both of his parents and eventually reconnected with his father. According to Butler, quote, I don't hold grudges. I still talk to my family, my mom, my father. We love each other. That's never going to change, end quote. All of that to say, there is absolutely no legitimacy to the rumor that Michael Jordan is Jimmy Butler's father. So rather than end this segment with a bad taste in our mouths because silly people like to start unfounded rumors on the internet, I'd like to close with a little information about Jimmy Butler's actual origin story. Yes. Yes, this is how we should end this segment, right? After he was kicked out of his house at 13 years old, Butler, who had taken an interest in basketball, uh, as you mentioned, did spend some time homeless, unfortunately, but he caught the attention of a guy named Jordan Leslie at a summer basketball camp. Leslie, a classmate of Jimmy's who also played basketball and football at the aforementioned school, Tom Ball, that you referred to, and actually briefly played in the NFL, uh, became fast friends, and despite Leslie's family already taking care of six children under their roof, wow. they welcomed Jimmy into their home with open arms. Uh, according to Butler, quote, they accepted me into their family. And it wasn't because of basketball. She, referring to Leslie's mother, was just very loving. She just did stuff like that. I couldn't believe it. Despite a strong senior season in high school, Butler was not widely recruited and attended Tyler Junior College in Texas before accepting a scholarship to play at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. During his first season at Marquette as a sophomore, Butler didn't get much of an opportunity, but by his junior year, he had moved into the starting lineup, averaging 14.7 points and 6.4 rebounds per game, earning all Big East honorable mention honors. He'd go on to be drafted by the Bulls, as we've talked about before, with the final pick in the first round of the 2011 draft, where he worked his ass off to get into the rotation early on with his stifling defense that Tom Thibodeau very much appreciated. Butler butted into a superstar before being traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves in 2017 in the trade that brought Zach Levine to Chicago. Since then, Butler has also played on the Philadelphia 76ers, as we talked about, and most recently the Miami Heat, where he led them to a finals appearance in the bubble in 2020, and he is now poised to get them back to the finals this year after a phenomenal series against Philadelphia in the second round. So, while the rumors that Jimmy Butler is Michael Jordan's son are absolutely false, it seems to me that Butler does share some of the qualities that made MJ so special. Beyond his natural physical gifts, Butler is determined, passionate, disciplined, and refuses to be outworked by anyone. His career has been exemplified by his grit, and it's not surprising given the exceedingly difficult circumstances in which he grew up. So I'd like to end with a quote from an unnamed NBA general manager who said about Butler before the 2011 NBA draft, quote, his story is one of the most remarkable I've seen in all my years of basketball. There were so many times in his life where he was set up to fail every time he overcame just enormous odds. When you talk to him, you just have this feeling that this kid has greatness in him. Turns out that GM was right, and that is what actually happened. That's great. I love it. I love that you have taken the story, squashed the rumors, told us the true story, and ended it on a note that actually did happen. Yeah. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. All right. So, for my three on three, 
Currently, we're in a very fun time in basketball, which is when the NBA playoffs are going on and the WNBA season has just begun. Now, what did happen on Monday of this week should be a felony in that there were no NBA playoff games and there were no WNBA games on for an entire day. What are we doing? How do, like, how is come on? That's a real on. scheduling oversight. I know it's all unpredictable with how long all of the NBA playoff series goes, et cetera, et cetera. But that made me very sad, but it's okay. I spent oh, a quality evening with my wife. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're in a fun time where the NBA and the WNBA are both going on at the same time. So for the three on three, I wanted to find something that brought both of these leagues together. I was thinking about the leagues. I was thinking about what makes them cool. And I got a targeted Instagram ad for retro WNBA shirts. And some of the logos I didn't recognize because they were from some of the teams that were originally part of the WNBA that are now defunct. So inspired by that, I have done the three best NBA and the three best WNBA team names that are now no longer in use. Ooh, fun. Do you want to start with the WNBA or the NBA? Um, Let's start with the WNBA. Okay. So number three is the Cleveland Rockers. So the Cleveland Rockers were one of the original eight WNBA teams. They were owned by this guy who was named Gordon Gund, who does sound like a villain in a Wall Street-based movie, like Gordon Gecko. I do remember the uh, the stadium being called the Gund Arena, so I guess that's why. Yes, that's why I brought this up. What other ownership just names the stadium after themselves? Yeah, I. Uh, that's a great question. Not any that I'm aware of. No, you either have it named after some sort of company or at least the company that the owner owns for promotional purposes, or it's something like Madison Square Garden where it's named after something in the city. You mean the Dolan Arena? Don't give him any ideas. I hope he doesn't listen because <laughs> he might he might do that. Anyway, the Gund Arena was home to the Cleveland Rockers. So they were obviously named after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is in Cleveland. Have you ever been? I've never been. Oh, I thought they're named after rocking chairs. <laughs> they are not. That would be if they played in Tennessee. <laughs> um, I have been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and it is awesome. Yeah, I'm always perplexed by it because I feel like when I hear who gets inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's a lot of not rock and roll artists, like fair amount of R&B singers and rap groups, which I think is cool. I mean, I feel like it's basically Music Hall of Fame at this point. Yeah, yeah. right. I, I think maybe a, a rename is in order, but Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just kind of sounds cool. Right. So that is where their namesake comes from. Their logo is very cool. It's got a guitar in the shape of an R to spell out rockers, which is pretty fun. They were around until the 2002 season. So the WNBA started in 1997, but in 2002, the league did a restructuring where when the league was initially created, the league itself owned all of the teams. And that's why a lot of the teams were just kind of partnered with other teams. So you had the Cleveland Rockers sharing facilities and such with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Same thing with the Houston Comets and the Houston Rockets, et cetera, et cetera. So in 2002, when they were restructuring, it was going to be so, okay, the league has grown enough. The teams can sustain themselves. So if you own a team, now you actually will own the team. You will have to take in all the expenses and stuff like that, the operating right. costs more so than they had before. And unfortunately, this led a lot of rich, greedy people to not want to run the team that they had because, oh, we actually have to spend money on this thing now. Uh-oh. So a couple of teams folded. A couple of teams got relocated or sold to other people, et cetera, et cetera. The Cleveland Rockers were the first of that. And it was really sad because they were really good. They were very competitive. They made a bunch of playoff runs. They had never won the title, but they were always in contention. And they were the only WNBA team to either fold or relocate where in the last season they had made the playoffs. So usually mm. if a team goes away, it's because they did poorly. The Rockers are very good, but it's just a cool name. The Cleveland yes. Rockers, it's fun. Completely agree. In the way that we discussed some of the incredibly boring dance team names when we did our live episode, Rockers is exactly what you would want a Cleveland team to be called. So yeah, kudos. And what I appreciate about the name is that it has to do with the city itself. And it isn't just some sort of pairing with the NBA team, the NBA team mm -hmm. that happened to be linked with them. Because if you look at the initial teams, a lot of them are just kind of the sister team. So you have the Charlotte Sting, you know, because the Hornets or the Houston Comets, you know, because the Rockets or the Sacramento Monarchs. That's a synonym for the word king. So right, right, right. I appreciate that Rockers, at least they didn't just find some other 
they weren't the Cleveland Musketeers or whatever. <laughs> they actually named it about the city. I thought it was very cool. The number two team, they kind of named it off of the team that was their partner team, but not 100%. And that is the Utah Stars. And yes, I did spell that with two Zs at the end. Stars. Yes. The the Utah Stars, S-T-A-R-Z-Z. They are also one of the original eight as Utah and the ZZ or ZZ, depending on where you live, would clue you into. They were partnered with the Utah Jazz. But what was cool is that their name partially came from an old ABA team, the American Basketball Association. There used to be an ABA team in Utah called the Utah Stars, spelled like humans. But combining the Jazz name and the old Utah Stars, you got the Utah Stars as a And they had the same problem that happened to the Cleveland Rockers, where in the 2002 restructuring, the owners didn't want to own the team anymore, but they didn't close. Instead, they got sold to the people that owned the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. They renamed them the Silver Stars, spelled like human beings. And then 10 years later, they dropped it to just stars, you know, like dropping the the in the Facebook. It's cleaner, you know. (laughs) It's cleaner, yeah. And now today we know this team as the Las Vegas. Aces, who are very good. Okay, okay. So at least they still exist in some form. So yes, they're still around. Unlike the Rockers, it kind of made sense that the Stars owner didn't want to keep them because the Stars were as. They were really, really bad. Mm -hmm. They were quite butt at basketball. Didn't make the playoffs for their first six seasons or so. They were not very good, but... Stars is just a cool name. Having Z's in your name is fun. And paying homage to an old ABA team, I thought, was a good time. So they are no longer, but the Aces are around. And the Aces are a very, very cool name in general. It makes sense for Las Vegas. They have great uniforms and a great logo. Aces are doing very well. Nice. And finally, the number one WNBA team name that does not exist anymore is from the very short-lived Miami Soul but that is S-O-L, the Spanish word for sun. That makes more sense than the South Korean city. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or soul like inside of you. But yes, the Miami Soul were founded in 2000 during the WNBA's third expansion. But unfortunately, they also folded during the 2002 restructuring. So they were only around for two years. Mm. So this name was kind of inspired by the Miami Heat. But I think soul is just cool to have as a name. You can make a lot of soul puns. I also appreciate having a team name in not English, especially for a city like Miami, which has a very high Spanish speaking population. So I thought it was very fun. Their logo is very cool. It's a fun name. And the reason I gave it the number one is because it was such a good name that it kind of got stolen from them. Mm. So at the time when they folded, there was another WNBA team in Florida, in Orlando. There was the Orlando Miracle, you know, because the Orlando Magic. So they had the Orlando Miracle. They also shut down during this 2002 restructuring. And instead of folding, they got relocated, bought by a new ownership group. And they are now what we know as a current team, a very good team, the Connecticut Sun. Ah. So the Connecticut Sun, basically, they were making a new team. It was 2002. And they basically said, oh, the solar going away. Can we take that name? But we are Connecticut. So we're going to have to translate this for white people. So we are now the Connecticut sun. <laughs> That's very funny. It would be particularly ridiculous if a Connecticut team had a Spanish word for sun. It'd be pretty bad. And now that makes so much more sense because I always wondered, why is the Connecticut team the sun? Not necessarily the sunniest of places being in the Northeast. It would have made more sense if they were the Connecticut sweaters tied around your neck with the sleeves. Ziz. But yeah, I just figured that that would be the number one team, because if the name was so good that someone else tried to steal it, you know that you had a cool name. But shout out to the Miami Soul for folding, because when a team folds, they have to do a dispersal draft so that the players go on to other teams. So when they did fold, you had a couple players go to the Seattle Storm, most notably Betty Lennox, who ended up winning a title with the Storm in 2004, and she won the WNBA Finals MVP. Hmm. I mean, I'm just saying Connecticut Cardigans would be a pretty great name. Connecticut Cardigans. Oh, it's good. Fuck. That's re- Especially if Cash Considerations was on the Connecticut Cardigans. Cashmere Considerations. Ooh. Oh, Cashmere. man. <laughs> All right. Episode's over. Sorry, we can't finish your three on three. Yep, the, yeah, the whole podcast is done. We've peaked. Goodbye. Thanks everyone for listening. It's been a good run. <laughs> All right. So now let's get to the NBA team names. At number three, I have the Baltimore slash Capital slash Washington Bullets. Okay. So Bullets, a cool name. 
now. They were the Washington Bullets up until the late 90s, I think in 1998, when they got turned into the Washington Wizards because- Did a wizard turn them into that? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that could have been what happened. No, uh, gun violence concerns were, were up there and you didn't want to have a team named after Bullets. I get it. But the way this team came about was from a relocating team that I will discuss later in this three-on-three, one of the higher seeded names. But they rebranded as the Baltimore Bullets in 1963. This name was a nod to a Baltimore team called the Baltimore Bullets that was around in the 1940s and 50s. Now, I didn't give a specific league because the Baltimore Bullets have the wildest story. So they were in the ABL, the American Basketball League, in 1944. Then they switched over to the Basketball Association of America, the BAA, in 1947. Then, in 1949, the NBA absorbed the BAA, so they became an NBA team, and then they folded in 1954, making them the last NBA franchise to ever fold instead of relocating, so ah. no other team has just shut down operations. And they're the only team that has won the NBA title at one point in time and then folded. Interesting. Yes. Very, very interesting. So the bullets have been all over the place. So I went back and thought, okay, why did the Baltimore team name themselves the bullets? And what I found is that they were a reference to the Phoenix shot tower. So I looked up, okay, what is the Phoenix shot tower? It is also known as the old Baltimore shot tower, and it's a red brick shot tower in downtown Baltimore. So I said, okay, what's a shot tower? A shot tower is a tower that is designed for the production of small diameter shot balls by free fall of molten lead, then being caught in a water basin. So shot is used for shot guns shooting out those projectiles. They're also used for ballast, radiation shielding, and other applications in which small lead balls are useful. So they are literally just named after the production of bullets. And you'll see that a lot for hmm. the early NBA teams. It's just, what do we make in this city? Right, right, right. And then we'll name it after that. Now, the logo is very interesting for the original Baltimore Bullets because it is just a bullet going into a basketball, which would end the basketball game. So I don't understand how that makes sense. But it's just a basketball getting shot. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that begs the question, what happened after that happened? It popped, and if it's the other team's basketball, cool, but now you also don't have a basketball. So that is the Baltimore Bullets. We now get into the number two coolest team name that doesn't exist anymore, the Seattle Supersonics. Hopefully, this will not be a long-lasting thing. Hopefully, in a couple of years, we'll have them back in our lives, in our hearts, and on our televisions slash in person. I Yeah, I, I as someone who has no ties to Seattle at all, like it upsets me as a basketball fan because I remember that era of, of basketball in the 90s in Seattle, and... Uh, what a different NBA it would be if Kevin Durant stayed in Seattle because Seattle stayed in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Yes. And as someone with ties to Seattle, I want them back. Mm -hmm. I miss them so dearly, even though I didn't watch them before living in Seattle. But when I played my PlayStation 1 video game NBA Shootout in 1998, I did like to play as the Seattle Supersonics because I thought that their team name was cool. And my dad told me that Gary Payton's nickname was The Glove. And I thought that was also cool. Do you ever wonder if the storm would be as big as they are if the Sonics hadn't left? It's a combination of that and them being very good. Because right. the Phoenix Mercury are still very popular, even though Phoenix isn't necessarily the biggest basketball town. It's just you have Diana Taurasi on your team. Mm -hmm. She's the greatest player of all time. You're going to love her. I do think, though, because the Sonics are gone, it does really help the Storm have a really rallying fan base. When I was there during their title run in 2016, it was live. The parade yeah. was popping. The stadium was full. It was great. So how did the Supersonics get their name? So the Sonics entered the NBA in 1967. They needed a nickname. So the owners did what I wish more teams would do, which is turn to the fans for a fan vote. Hell That's yeah. how we get things like the Toronto Raptors in the 90s because Jurassic Park was popular. I feel like now it would never happen because there would be a bunch of uh, K-pop fans who would impact <gasps> the uh, the team name. Ooh. As a big BTS fan, I would love to root for the Seattle Jungkooks. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they the the fans of BTS are called the Army. It would kind of be fun to have a team called the Army. Like that that's a that that would work if you had the Seattle Army. That's that's a, that actually could work as a sports team name. Could work anyway. 
The fans chose the name the Supersonics, which was inspired by, in the most Seattle way possible, something that Boeing, which is based out of Seattle, was working on. They were working on a plane called the Supersonic Transport. So the idea behind the plane was supposed to be this high-speed jet, and it never came into fruition. Like the Concorde, right? Yes, exactly. So it's funny because it was hyped as being a thing in 1966-67, And then they named the team after it. And then this plane never existed. And now neither do the Supersonics. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, man. They should have known. It was a premonition. Sorry, that got grim. But (laughs) But yes, it was a Concorde-like airplane. So I did look up more research about the supersonic airplane. There are official blurbs on NBA.com and Boeing that has informed my research here. And here's what I was able to learn. On New Year's Eve 1966, after more than 14 years of study, design, work, and competition, the U.S. federal government selected Boeing to build the prototype for the country's first supersonic transport. 26 airlines ordered 122 of the transports. The final design featured a double-jointed needle-shaped nose that would drop during takeoff and landing for improved pilot visibility. Government funding was withdrawn in 1971 before the prototype was finished. However, the Boeing SST fostered advances in supersonic transportation, leading to the high-speed civil transport project that ran from 1990 to 1999, part of the NASA High-Speed Research Program, supported by a team of U.S. aerospace companies. Whoa. Yeah. Now, that blurb was specifically from Boeing's website. So I went to trusted source Wikipedia that might not write about it so positively, and I found something specifically about when the funding went away. So, if you are like me, and every day you learn something is Richard Nixon's fault, this is also Richard Nixon's fault! Oh, cool! In March 1971, even though the project had a bunch of support, it unfortunately was rejected by the U.S. Senate under Richard Nixon. A counterattack was organized under the banner of the National Committee for an American SST, which urged supporters to send in $1 to keep the program alive, but it was not enough. So people really wanted this. They really like this, but it did not happen and the government withdrew funding from the project. Man, it used to be so much harder to get things funded when people act- had to actually mail money and checks. <laughs> they raised a million dollars from this. People just wanting this plane to exist raised a million dollars. So wow. it makes sense as to why the fans truly wanted to name the team after it. It's still a very cool name, even though It's named after something that never existed, and that was the number two selection, the Seattle Supersonics. And also, shout out to the uh, no longer in Seattle, Seattle Pilots, the defunct uh, baseball team that I think maybe became the Milwaukee Brewers. There's some sort of convoluted thing, but, you know, baseball reference. Yes, baseball reference indeed. Okay, so now we've got the number one team name, and this team only existed as this name for one year, and it is the Chicago Zephyrs. What the? I don't even know about that. Yes. Okay. So when Chicago was first getting a basketball team in the NBA, it was in 1961. Do you know what the original name of the Chicago basketball team was? I don't think so, no. The rare football reference on horse. Womp womp. The Chicago Packers. Oh my gosh. Yes. So they were named the Chicago Packers because Chicago big meatpacking industry. Yeah. Historically, really unsafe meatpacking industry. I mean, there were... Okay. You, you don't know about uh, Upton Sinclair and the jungle, all that muck raking going oh, on? Oh, that was Chicago. That was about yeah, yeah, Chicago yeah, yeah, yeah. meat factories dumping waste into the Chicago River and contaminating the water supply. So there's a little information oh. for you all. And now they only do that on St. Patrick's Day, right? Yes. That's why correct. it's green. Yeah. And actually, a lot of people don't know this. That same dye was used for Marcus Smart's hair. So So, they had a basketball team. They wanted to name it after something local. They went with the Packers. Now, you can probably understand as a Chicago Bears fan why this didn't work. Mm -hmm. The bitter rival of the Chicago Bears was the Green Bay Packers, who'd been around since 1919. So this team name was incredibly unpopular. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a worse name for a Chicago team. So for just one year, they were the Chicago Packers, and then they rebranded to what else but the Chicago Zephyrs. Now, I kind of know about what's going on here because I am reading the Percy Jackson books for my Percy Jackson podcast, The News Olympian. Zephyr is the West Wind, and Chicago is the Windy City, even though the wind is a political name, not literal wind. Mm -hmm. But that didn't stop them from naming the basketball team after wind. To have as bad of a name as the Packers and then think that the big upgrade is becoming the Zephyrs? Who was in charge of naming this team? I don't know, but I think Zephyrs is a very cool name. You like it? It's a fun word to say. Their logo was awesome. It was lightning bolty and stuff. We'll put a link to it on the episode page of horsehoops.com. 
I think Zephyrs is a dope name. It's very unique, which is cool. I think if you have to Google what does this word mean, it's fun. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess there's a case to be made for that, making people think a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I did a little bit of research about Zephyr what it comes from. So it's from the Greek Zephyros or Zephyrus, which is the god of the west wind, one of the four seasonal anemoi, wind gods. He was also the god of spring, the husband of Chloris, the goddess of greenery, and father of Karpos, the god of fruit. In myths, Zephyros was a rival of the god Apollon for the love of Hyacinthus, and one day he spied the pair playing a game of quoits don't know what this game is in a meadow and in a jealous rage blew the disc off course with a gust of wind causing it to strike the boy in the head killing him instantly oh no apollon stricken with grief transformed the dying youth into a larkspur flower zephyros this is a final note that i just had to put in here later in this greek article zephyros was depicted in classical art as a handsome winged youth so zephyros is attractive and vengeful What's not to love? Great team name here. Now, is Apollon the god who's responsible for our runny noses? Maybe, maybe. It could just be Apollo and this thing added an end to it, but I didn't know enough in my very limited Greek knowledge slash research that I did here. So they were the Chicago Packers. They became the Chicago Zephyrs. And then this team is actually who ended up becoming the Baltimore Bullets, who then became the Capital Bullets when they moved to DC and then rebranded to the Washington Bullets. So it's all connected back to the beginning here. But yeah, Chicago had an interesting run of a two-year team that changed their name each year and then left to another city and then eventually got the Bulls later on. I tell you what, this has been the closest to a newest Olympian horse crossover episode we've ever had. (laughs) Yeah, so lots of interesting team names out there, and I'm glad that I could teach you, Chicago sports fan, about a very interesting, very tiny blip in Chicago sports history. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to tease for the expanded five on five? I will just tease that there are some very cool WNBA team names out there, and there are some very dorky NBA team names out there that I will be discussing at length. Okay, nice, 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 nice. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse Horses, hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Misha Stanton. The social media is by both of the Horse Boys. The website is by Kelly Schubert. The music is by Bettina Campamanes, and the art is by Allison Wakeman. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, He Sells Seashells, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang! Bang! Long-suffering Timberwolves fan, Roast Beef Debris, Kate the Conqueror, Basketball's Life 2, Michaela Loves Allison, congratulations again, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Borgeli, Weird Questions, Chris Rossi, Mitch Chrysler, Stove Curry for three bang and mono ginobili follow us on instagram and facebook at horse hoops and on twitter at horse underscore hoops because horse hoops was the senator who made sure that the funding for the supersonic plane was removed oh how dare they joe Manchin? how dare oh, you <laughs> don't even do not speak that name on this podcast <laughs> Go to our website, horsehoops.com, for links to some of the fun stuff we talked about today, including Stacey King going absolutely bonkers over a preseason game winner uh, and all sorts of Greek mythology, apparently. <laughs> and if you want to support the Horse Boys and get a bunch of bonus content as a thank you for doing so, you can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops. We got digital stuff. We got physical stuff. We got merch. We got jerseys. Lots of fun stuff there. And if you go to horsehoops.com, there's a bunch of fun stuff there, including merch like Subnerds, it's basketball shirts, and other digital stuff. But we're going to close out this episode as we always do by putting our hands in the middle and saying something on the count of three. Do we want to root for Jimmy Butler since we're both very invested in the heat? Do we want to say the the G stands for gets on three? Yeah, I think that that's the, you know what? I'm going to change it a little bit, right? We've had mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler for two, Jimmy Butler for three. Mm-hmm. I want Jimmy Butler to get one championship, at least one. Jimmy Butler for ring? Jimmy Butler for ring. Yeah, let's do All it. All right. One, two, three. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler for, for ring. ring. Now it sounds like he's doing an ad for Ring.com, the alarm system. (laughs) Hi, this is Jimmy Butler for Ring to tell you about security. (laughs) Do you want to spy on your neighbors and stuff? (laughs) Now, I'm known for my defense, but if you want your house to be protected. No, it's too good. Shit, that's too good. (laughs) 